morning, LifePoint. So glad to have you here to worship the Lord with us today. Again, if you are visiting with us, welcome. If you wouldn't mind texting the word welcome to the number on the screen, 406-219-0314. Or you can just uh, snap the QR code on the seat back in front of you. Uh, or uh, just uh, text that word there as well. But we're so glad to have you here with us. If you have a Bible, go to Colossians chapter number three uh, with me this morning. We will uh, spend our time in Colossians three, verses one through four today, starting a new sermon series today that I'm really, really excited about uh, called Heaven. Uh, Over the next few weeks, we're going to be talking all about heaven, what heaven is like, what we may be doing in heaven, Uh, And along the way, we're going to be answering some of your questions about heaven. Many of you have uh, submitted those questions already. I'm excited to answer some of those. Uh, My goal will be to answer as many of them as I possibly can uh, throughout this series. But hopefully by the end of this series, not only will your questions be answered, uh, but I hope and I pray we'll have a renewed perspective about heaven. Uh, that it will encourage us uh, and impact our life uh, today, uh, not just eternity, but today as well. And so this is going to be a really exciting uh, series, I think, for many of us. I think we're going to maybe learn some things we did not know about heaven and maybe be reminded of some things that we likely already know about heaven. But it's going to be so beneficial for us uh, as we talk about this idea uh, and this topic that we are awaiting one day, if you're a child of God, you will spend eternity in heaven. Uh, so I, I think it's safe to say today that we don't think about heaven very much. Raise your hand, give me a head nod if you would agree with that statement. We probably don't think about heaven very much in life. And there's probably a few reasons for that. I'll just make a few uh, observations about why that is true. Like, why don't you and I think about heaven? I mean, if we're a Christian, we're saved, we have the hope of eternal life, spending eternity in heaven. I mean, we tell people about it. You need to know Jesus, because one day you'll get to spend eternity with him in heaven. If we believe that, why don't we think about it? Why don't we talk about it? Why don't we actually anticipate heaven and the wonders of heaven. Well, I think there's a few reasons for that, and I'll give you just two this morning. The first is this, is that we have a very limited understanding about heaven. I I think it's a very sad commentary today that we as Christian people, we go to church, we have hope in heaven, but we don't have a foundational understanding about the place that we will spend eternity. That's, That's the reality if you know Christ, but we have a lack of understanding of this idea of heaven. And it's this, this idea of just like not knowing, not studying, not researching. What is heaven really like? What is heaven really like? Our family had the opportunity uh, to go on uh, a uh, kind of a special vacation uh, this past year. We got to go to the Caribbean. We had never done anything like this before. Our family had never really taken a big vacation before. And so a lot of things just kind of lined up for us to be able to go to the Caribbean and spend uh, a week or so there. And so we were really excited about this, as you can imagine. I mean, like white sandy beaches, 80-degree water. I mean, it's a pretty cool place. And so consequently, we did a lot of research about what it was going to be like to be on this island in the middle of the Caribbean. Uh, Now, if we had told our kids, hey, guys, you know, we've studied, we've researched, we've looked into what it's going to be like to be in the Caribbean, if we said to them, hey, you know what? we've decided to go to Mount Rushmore instead. What do you think the response from that would have been? 
right? Like, you know, Mount Rushmore is cool, right? Like, it's a cool place. If you've not been there, man, I encourage you to go there. But I mean, you can't compare Mount Rushmore to the Caribbean. Can I get an amen on that this morning, right? Let's be honest. White sandy beaches, 80 degree water. I mean, there is no comparison. But here's the thing. We often treat heaven like Mount Rushmore in earth like the Caribbean. Do you follow what I'm saying this morning? We often treat heaven like this place, like, yeah, it might be cool, and it's, you know, you, we're going to be there, and, but I'm really more excited about this earth and the things that are going on here. And consequently, we don't think about it much. We don't research it enough. We don't anticipate it, like going to a place like the Caribbean and study to know what is it going to be like, what are the experiences that we're going to have there, the joys that we're going to have there. We act as if we're really not going to heaven. Why? Because we have a limited understanding of heaven. And I think as we get into this, you're actually going to be blown away by some of the things that we're going to talk about when it comes to heaven, the things that you and I will get to experience in heaven. But we don't think about it because we have a limited understanding. Here's the second thing. Not only do we have a limited understanding, but we also have some misconceptions about heaven. Right, like if you watch movies or you've seen a TV show, there's often references to heaven. Maybe you're going to be, you know, kind of this, uh, this little angel floating on a cloud with a harp. That sounds fun, doesn't it? All eternity playing the harp, right? We have a lot of these ideas about heaven, misconceptions about heaven. Maybe you have this idea about heaven. Uh, maybe you think heaven is going to be an eternal church service. Raise your hand if you ever thought that before. Let's be honest, we're in church, right? Church, uh, heaven is going to be this eternal church service, and for a lot of you, you're like, ah, that sounds painful, right? Like, let's be honest, it's 60 minutes, and you're already wondering, you know, how long are you going to be today, pastor, right? You can hardly get through 60 minutes, let alone eternity? Come on, right? I want you to know that's a misconception. Heaven is not going to be an ongoing, never-ending church service. Now, will we worship God in heaven? Absolutely. It just may not be, it just may not be the same way you think of it here. Uh, some of you maybe have the idea that heaven is going to be boring. In fact, many of you ask that very question, like, what are we going to do in heaven? I mean, streets of gold, are we going to just like buff that thing all day long? Are we going to sweep it? I mean, what's the deal? Heaven seems like it might be a boring place to be. Actually, heaven is going to be a very thrilling place to be because it's going to be much like what we experience here on this earth, except without sin, except without corruption, except without pain. You and I are going to have a very adventurous, thrilling experience in heaven. It will be anything but boring. And we'll talk more about that idea in future sermons. But just think of it this way. If God created the earth, think about it. God created this wonderful earth with color and with beauty and with all this magnificence. And we go around our state specifically and we look around and we say, wow, this is amazing. Look what God created for your enjoyment. You see, God could have created a black and white earth. God could have created this world without color, without vibrance, without beauty, but it all displays what? His glory and his magnificence. Can I suggest to you this morning that if God created earth that way, what's heaven going to be like? 
Listen, boring and God do not go together, friend, this morning. Heaven will not be boring. Some of you might be here this morning and you're, and you're like, you know, I kind of picture heaven like a library. Anybody like that this morning? Heaven is like a library. And I, like, don't get offended by me uh, saying heaven is like a library because like the library is cool, right? It has its place. It's a wonderful place to be. But we, when we think of a library, what do we think of? We think of quiet in the library walking around going, shh, we think like Peter's up in heaven, like shushing everyone. God's finally getting some rest. Like, leave him alone, right? We have this picture and this idea, but it's the furthest thing from the truth. Or you might have the misconception this morning, which is something that we're going to talk about a lot throughout this series. You might have the misconception that heaven is just our default. You might be under the assumption today that, that everyone just gets to go to heaven, and I want you to know this morning that that assumption is incorrect. It is incorrect. People have a lot of misconceptions, don't they? You and I, even as Christians, we have often a lot of misconceptions about heaven. And my hope for you and I is that at the end of this, we'll have a better picture. We'll have a better understanding of what heaven is actually like. And listen, we'll actually anticipate going there so much so that it'll impact our relationships around us as we compel people to believe in Jesus so they too can experience the incredible wonders of heaven. That is my hope for you and I at the end of this sermon series. But let me just give you a disclaimer this morning. Pastors like to give disclaimers, uh, and I like to give disclaimers too, and that is this, is that we don't know everything about heaven, right? Like we can't answer every single question about heaven. Everybody shake your head this way, right? Like it's like, I understand that pastor, right? I may ask you a question, and I may not be able to answer it. And the reason we may not be able to answer it is that scripture uh, only gives us so much. Like we know what we know based upon what the Bible tells us. And I think that brings up a very important principle that we need to be reminded of this morning. And that is this, is that God's word is the only source and standard for us defining what heaven is like, right? Can I get some head nods on that one, right? Uh, the Bible is our only source for understanding truth about what heaven is like. We don't base our beliefs about heaven or what heaven is like, listen, off of the experiences of other people. We base it off of what scripture says, and that's important, and I know you may understand that, but we need to be reminded of that, I think, because we hear so many different things uh, in our world today about experiences, maybe people that have died and had some experience, and you're like, is that true? Is it real? I don't know, but it has to line up with what scripture says says. And, and I want you to know it's not my intention to judge people's experiences. It's not my uh, intention to do that. But we have to be careful what we base, uh, that we don't base truth off of those experiences. Let me give you just one illustration for that this morning. We'll jump into uh, our text. I had an, uh, an, an aunt. I, I grew up in Maine. I say aunt, not aunt. I'm not sure. I, I, who says aunt? Raise your hand. Aunt. Who says aunt? aunt. I think I used to say aunt, right? Didn't I, honey? Yeah, she's like nodding her head. You used to say aunt, you know? And then after 21 years of marriage, my wife, you know, finally got me to say aunt, right? So, well, I have an aunt, uh, an aunt and uh, years ago, she had an, a heart attack, and she died. She literally flatlined in the hospital, uh, and she was rushed to the hospital. Doctors were actually able to revive her, restart her heart, and she lived. But she came back from that experience, and uh, she uh, had a story to tell. And her story was simply this. When I flatlined, I saw a white 
light. Raise your hand if you've heard this before, people that have had these experiences. I saw a white light. Now, I want you to know something about my aunt at the time. She was not a believer in Christ. She did not believe that Jesus is her personal Savior and that believing in him gives you eternal life. She didn't believe that, right? But she believed in this experience that she had. I saw a light, and it actually gave her great comfort. Uh, It gave her great comfort about the idea of death. She didn't fear death because she had this experience. So what's the problem with that? We all can kind of put two and two together, right? One of the greatest lies that Satan is perpetuating in our world today is that everyone's going to heaven. Everyone's going to heaven. You don't need to do anything, believe anything. You don't even need to be a a good person. Everybody's just going to heaven. And one of the ways he does that is through experiences like this, saw white light, and therefore don't have to fear death. That's a lie that Satan wants you and I to believe. Let me give you just uh, something to consider and think about that white light. 2 Corinthians chapter 11 in verse 14 will be on the screen for you to see as well. Speaking about Satan, this is who he is. It says, and no wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as what? Say it with me, an angel of light. Do you think there's a correlation there? I think so. That Satan is deceiving people today that, hey, seeing the light uh, just means that, that you're going to heaven. It uh, doesn't mean that, right? And we'll talk more about that as we get into this series. But God's word has got to be the ultimate authority in our lives. And we need to be careful uh, about speculations that we make. They must be based on scripture. And so we're, we're going to look at a lot of passages. We're going to look at, at a lot of scripture. In some of those scriptures, we're going to draw some definitive conclusions and definitive lines. But then some, we're going to make some careful speculations about what God uh, is giving to us about heaven. But along the way, I want to extend, again, this opportunity for you, if you have questions about heaven, like, man, I've always wondered this, please, please jot them down and email them to me. The, my email's on the screen as well, john, J-O-N, at lifepointmt.org. Just email me, and I will do my best to uh, address them in this series. But here's what we're going to focus in on today. One thought, one main idea this morning, and that is this, is that the less you think about heaven, the more empty your life here will become. The less you and I go through this world, go through this life, thinking and pondering and considering about heaven and heavenly things, the more empty we will feel and become here on this earth. Listen, and that is true for this reason. If all there is to life is the here and now. If you go through life as a Christian thinking the best is here, the best life is now, The best I can ever experience is this world and in this life, the things that we can attain, the experiences that we can have, the vacations that we can go on. Listen, the more empty your life will become, the more dissatisfied you and I will become. And that's true because of this. We all have within us an insatiable desire for more. Agree with that statement? We as human beings have an insatiable desire for more and more and more, more experiences, more power, more money, more uh, hobbies, fill in the blank, whatever it is. We all want more out of life. In fact, the world uh, tells us you only got one life to live, so suck everything you can out of it, right? Right? And we kind of buy into that. We're like, yeah, absolutely. I only got one life to live. Uh, I suck everything I can out of it. But what it does is it perpetuates this idea that this is all there is. When in reality, 
This isn't all there is. Did you know this morning that the best is yet to come? The best you will ever experience, the best you will ever know of joy and true love and true peace is in heaven with God, not here. We only get a glimpse. We only get a glimpse. You know, read the book of Ecclesiastes. You find Solomon, right? The wisest man in all the earth, the wealthiest man in all the earth, has everything this guy's heart ever desired. And he does this big experiment. Hey, I'm going to find out. Can life really be uh, the best thing that we can experience here on this earth? And so he does this experiment. And he gets gold and he gets treasures and he has all these relationships and he builds all these vast structures and gardens and wonderful things. And he gets to the end of it. And he says, every single one of those things is empty and worthless. There's no merit in any one of those things apart from God. Without God, all of it is meaningless. And I want you to know the less you and I ponder, consider, study, and research and hope for heaven, the more we'll pursue every vice the more we'll pursue every flashy, worldly thing because there's something within us that is desiring to have purpose and meaning and hope and happiness in life. And if it's not in heaven, it's gotta be here. And so the less you think about it, the more empty you will become. And you might be here today and you might say, that describes me. You might be watching online and you're saying, that describes my life right now. Your thoughts are more for this world than they are for heaven. And you can't get enough of whatever vice you're trying to pursue. And if you were honest today in church, you would say, I'm not happy. I'm not satisfied. But I still feel like there's something missing in my life. I don't have a sense of meaning. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I don't know what I'm supposed to be. I'm a Christian, and yet I feel extremely alone. I feel extremely lost. I feel depressed, and I feel like I'm going through the motions day after day, year after uh, year, accomplishing absolutely nothing. Can I gently remind you and I of something this morning? This world, this world, church, it's really not our home. It's really not our final destination. It's not the best it'll ever be. Living for this world alone will leave you and I feeling empty. The best is actually yet to come. You see, the problem is that we don't know that. The problem isn't that that we don't intellectually understand that we're in church, we get that, we understand that, we can amen, we can head nod to that, the truth and the problem is that we actually don't live as if we're bound for heaven. We don't give it a whole lot of thought, a whole lot of consideration. If we're honest this morning, a lot of us might even say this, I'm really not excited for heaven. I'm not excited about heaven. I don't know if you can relate to that at all or if you have ever thought that before. And maybe you're like, oh, it's probably a sin to think. I'm not excited about heaven. But many of us feel this way. I'm not excited to go to heaven. But I want you to know heaven is something we ought to think about. Heaven is something that ought to captivate our hearts and captivate our minds. And heaven and heavenly thoughts are something that is actually meant to impact our life today and our relationships and the way we spend our money and our time and our resources and and what we say to people about Jesus. And so we should think about heaven. And that's exactly what we're going to find in Colossians chapter number three today. We are to be heavenly minded. And when you do, it shapes everything. 
It shapes everything. It shapes your perspective uh, about your, your, your losses and your heartache in life. It shapes your perspective about your successes and wealth in life. It shapes everything that you and I experience in life. Heaven can impact your life in many, many different ways. Well, let's jump into our text today, and let's see what we can discover about this heavenly mindset, this thing that we are to, to constantly be thinking about heaven. Colossians chapter 3, Paul the apostle speaking to a group of Christians. In chapter 3, we kind of jump in uh, to the middle of this. In chapter 3, uh, Paul says this, if you have been raised with Christ, in the original Greek, it actually means since you have, since this is your reality, since you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above. Where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. In verse 2, he says, set your minds on things that are above. There's that earthly mindset. I'm actually to consider, to ponder, to think about heaven and heavenly things. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. We've heard this probably a thousand times. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. And everybody said, Amen to that, right? Amen to that. Let me share with you just a few principles this morning. A few principles about having a heavenly perspective that can impact your life right now. How do we, how do we get to this point? How do we think about heaven? What? Excuse me, why? Is it dry in here? I think it's dry in here. I'm like, talking too fast. Hang on. Okay, I'm better. Three things. Three simple things. First thing is this. First thing is this. Is that heavenly things are for heavenly bound people. Like, we need to get this straight right out of the gate, and we need to answer the question, is heaven our default? Is, is everyone just naturally going to heaven? I want you to know heavenly things are for heavenly bound people. Paul would say this in verse 1, if then you have been raised with Christ, if that is your reality, or since this is your reality, I want you to know that be heavenly minded. And this is really basic and very foundational, but it answers that question for a lot of people, is heaven my default? Am I guaranteed to go to heaven when I die? And the answer, of course, is no. Like, let's be honest, you have to have a relationship with Jesus first. Jesus said it's available to everyone and anyone who wants it, but you have to make the choice, right? Like, we, we could have gotten, like, a free ticket to the Caribbean, you know, that didn't happen. I wish it did. If everybody wants to offer that, I'd be willing to take it, right? Uh, but we didn't get a free ticket, but if we did, Right, We would have the option, the choice to say, am I going to take this gift to go to this wonderful place? And the same is true about heaven. It's offered, it's free, it's yours to have if you want it. But God's not saying, hey, you gotta take it. It's your choice. It is your choice. Heaven is a place for those, Paul says, who have been raised with Christ. Now what does that mean, raised with Christ? What are we talking about here? Raised with Christ. Well, we go back to Colossians chapter 2. Just go back a chapter with me. It'll be on the screen as well. In verse number 12, we kind of have this definition of what does it mean to be raised with Christ. This is so important. Heaven is not the default location for everyone. It is only for those who are heavenly bound. Okay? Only for those who are heavenly bound. And Paul says this in Colossians chapter 2 and verse 12, having been buried with him in baptism. Now, we're not talking about a, a, a water baptism here. We're talking about a spiritual baptism. There's two kinds of baptisms that are identified in Scripture, water and spiritual. The water is a symbol of a spiritual reality. 
Uh, and, he, and so he goes on and he says, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you also uh, were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. Paul is talking about what? Our salvation. Our salvation. That spiritual transaction that happened the moment you said, yes, I want and I need Jesus and I accept his grace and his forgiveness fully and completely. This is the spiritual transaction that we can't see. We cannot see, but it's expressed through what? The symbolic picture of water baptism. When you are baptized, if you've not been baptized, man, we'd love for you to be scripturally baptized. And you go under the water, which is a picture of being buried with Christ. And you come up out of the water, which is a symbolic picture of a spiritual reality of you being raised to newness in life. You and I have been raised with Christ, and we have been made new. And Paul says, if this is your reality, if this is your reality, you and I ought to be heavenly-minded. We ought to hope for, think on, the place that we are destined for. In, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17, very familiar verse to many of you, he says, therefore, uh, this is again Paul speaking, if anyone is in Christ, he is what? A new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And so Paul in Colossians 3, he's speaking to a group of Christians and he's saying, since that's your reality, because you've done that, you're in Christ, you're heavenly bound. But notice what he says next. He says, if you've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above. Seek the things that are above. Let's talk about that for just a moment. Heavenly uh, things are for heavenly bound people, but heavenly things are, listen, the best things to seek right now. You see, we often don't think about heaven until we're getting closer to heaven. Isn't that true, right? Uh, if you're, you know, on your deathbed, you're going to think about heaven, right? Because you're almost there. We often don't give very much thought to heaven, but Paul says, right now, the best things that you can think about is heaven. And I understand this morning that for many of you, even some of you young people in the crowd, you're like, that's kind of hard because, you know, my future's ahead of me. And I got so much that I want to do in life and so many things I want to experience and that's wonderful and that's good, but I, can, I, can I encourage you today? You can still ponder and consider and seek the heavenly things in the midst of all of that. They're the best things for you and I to consider in life. That word seek, seek the things that are above. This is what Paul's saying. We've heard this before, right? Seek the things that are above. That word seek in the Greek means to seek in order to find, to stir in life. Some of you are seeking and pursuing other things. And you know what it means and, and what it's like to strive for something. There's something I want desperately in life. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's a certain income or a certain career. And whatever it is, you're striving for that thing. You're seeking it. God says, you ought to seek heaven that way. You ought to seek heavenly things that way. And it's intended to be this constant, constant seeking that there's never a moment we stop seeking and we stop striving to become heavenly-minded rather than earthly-minded. Do you remember what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33? He, he said this, and he, he was dealing with, with people who were just kind of worried about life and worried about where the next meal was going to come from and worried about their house and their clothes and all of these kinds of things. And we would like add to the list our worries and our anxieties and our struggles in life. We're worried about so many different things. And Jesus would say, hey, Time out. I want you to seek my kingdom first. And I want you to seek my righteousness first. 
You see, we kind of get it out of order, don't we? We seek all the earthly things rather than the heavenly things. And Jesus says, let's flip that around. You start seeking my kingdom and my righteousness first. And he says, guess what? I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to provide for your needs. I'm going to provide for the things that you need in life, but seek me first. And that's a difficult struggle, isn't it? Especially, especially in such a tumultuous world that you and I live in today. So many things to involve ourselves in. But Paul makes it clear that heaven and heavenly things uh, ought to occupy our thoughts. They are the best things that we could occupy our time with. And a lot of us, a lot of people today, even Christians, we don't think about heaven enough. We allow so many other things to be the best things, and we settle for earthly things when we should be thinking about heavenly things. Heaven, listen, it's it's supposed to impact your life right now, right now. The struggles, the trials, the things that you're going through right now, when you're heavenly-minded, It changes our perspective. And so heavenly uh, things are for heavenly bound people. Uh, Heaven uh, is the best thing and heavenly things are the best things that we ought to occupy our hearts and our minds to. But here's the last thing we'll talk about this morning is that heaven is a physical, real place where Christ is seated by God. We get a glimpse into heaven here in Colossians chapter number three. Let me give you just kind of a basic definition. This is, I would say, my definition of what heaven is. Uh, is and, th- and that is this, is that heaven is where God's throne is. Heaven is where God's throne is. Are you following what I'm saying, right? That's easy to understand, right? Heaven is where God's throne is. Right now, that throne is somewhere up, right? Uh, God's throne is somewhere up, but I want you to know, this is kind of a hint of things to come. Heaven won't always be up. There'll be actually two different locations for heaven. Uh, the present heaven and the eternal heaven. If you were to die today, I hope you don't, okay? But if you were to die today, you would be in the presence of God before God's throne in the present heaven. That is currently up. That's what scripture says. Paul says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord, to be present with the Lord in heaven. Where is, uh, what is heaven? It's where God's throne is. Uh, Many of you have asked, hey, are we going to continue in the book of Revelation? Uh, And I said, no, we're going to go back to Revelation chapter number four. Turn there with me real quick. Revelation chapter four, because we get a glimpse into this idea of where is the present heaven. Revelation chapter four, this this is the apostle John. Remember, we just got done, the seven letters of the seven churches. John gets a vision And God says, uh, Jesus says, I want you to write down what you hear, send these letters to these seven churches, and he does. And after that, chapter four, John says, and I looked, he says, I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven. Uh, If you're kind of the inquisitive type, you know, an open door is kind of like an invitation, like, I want to walk through, I want to see what's on the other side. And this invitation is given to John. And it says, he says, this, this first voice which I had heard speaking to me like a trumpet said to me, there's an open door, it said, come up here and I will show you what must take place after this. And at once, he says, I was in the spirit. And behold, a throne stood in heaven with one seated on the throne. Who do you think seated on the throne? God the Father is seated on the throne. And John gets to see this. But notice what the voice says to John. It says, come Come where? Say it with me. Come where? Come up here, right? Come up here. From John's point of view, where was heaven? Heaven, location was up, right? 
It's the present heaven, uh, but it always won't be there, okay? Heaven won't always be there. Uh, go to Revelation chapter 21. We're actually going to spend a lot of time in Revelation 21 here, maybe next week, maybe the week after. I'm not uh, quite sure yet, but in Revelation chapter 21, in verses 1 through 3, uh, this is John again, and he says this, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. Say new earth with me. New earth, right? New heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. We'll explain that and define that when we get there uh, later in this series. And John says, and I saw a holy city, New Jerusalem, guess where it's coming from? Coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, behold, the dwelling place of God is where? It's with man. And God will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. Notice what's happening here. God is going to create a new heaven and he's gonna create a new earth. That to me and we're going to spend a lot of time looking at this, but it's super fascinating to me. Why would God call it a new earth? We think of heaven in so just like abstract terms, and we think it's going to be something so vastly different than anything we know and anything we experience, but yet God says, I'm going to create a new earth. What do we know about earth? Look out the window, look out the door, and we see earth in the wonderment of this beauty. I think heaven is going to be very much like what earth is. But it's going to be a new creation. And it's going to be a place where the holy city of God dwells among us, heaven on earth. It sounds like God is going to create again what he originally wanted to do. Dwell with man. Walk amongst us. Without sin, without corruption. This is the future eternal heaven. It is a new earth, and we're going to talk more about that in the future. Uh, God uh, dwelling among us, but do you still think heaven is a boring place? Do you still think heaven is a boring place? This is, this is a small glimpse of what awaits you. This is a small glimpse this morning uh, of what is awaiting us. And Paul says, look, I want you to think about it. I want you to set your minds on these things, Christian. I want it to so invade your heart and your mind and your thoughts that it impacts everything you and I do in life. Seek the heavenly because our life on earth, guess what? Compared to eternity, it's a blip. It is a very, very short amount of time. Seek these things. Church, what could happen today? What could happen if Christians all over our world, all over our nation, in our community today actually set our thoughts and our minds on heaven? What could happen if we actually lived this way, considering and thinking about heaven, setting our hearts on this place, this hope that we say, hope in Jesus, because you'll get to spend in eternity with heaven. What if we anticipated that? Church, how could that shape your relationships? How could that shape your disappointments in life, knowing that, you know what? This isn't the best it's ever going to get. The best is yet to come. What could happen if you actually lived that way 
believed that way today. Would you stand with me just for a moment, your heads bowed, your eyes closed, a moment of what we call invitation today. Can I ask you what you're seeking this morning? What is it, Christian, today? that you're focusing on, that you're pondering, that you're considering, that you're anticipating, that you are hoping in? What is it that, that thing that you would say, this is the thing that I'm striving for? Scripture is just very, very clear. It doesn't take a lot of explanation. We're to set our hearts and our minds on this future hope, the heavenly things. That's why Jesus, even, even in teaching his disciples to pray, as Pastor Luke shared with us a few weeks ago, how do we pray? And Jesus says, hey, you ought to pray, uh, my kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is what? In heaven, God wants the heavenly things to impact the earthly things. And that will only happen if people like you and I in churches across America, across our world, set our hearts and set our minds on the earth, not the earthly things, but the heavenly things. That we wouldn't live for the temporal, but that we would live for the eternal. Maybe, maybe today you would say, Pastor John, you know what? I haven't thought about heaven in a while. I haven't considered it. I haven't pondered it. It doesn't invade my heart, my mind. It doesn't impact my life in any way, shape, or form. Can I encourage you to do something very, very simple this week? and maybe throughout the course of this study, and maybe it will become a habit in your life that you would just simply pray this prayer. God, give me today a heavenly perspective. That's it. God, today, in the midst of my trials, in the midst of the chaos that I'm about to walk into on Monday morning, God, help me to have a heavenly perspective today that your thoughts and your purpose and your kingdom would be the most invading thought in my heart, in my life. God, today, help me to have a heavenly perspective. Help my mind to be set on the heavenly things despite living every day in the earthly. Help me to gaze upon heaven. Oh, Christian, my hope for you is limited, as limited as I am to show you what heaven is like. My prayer for you is that you would just get a small glimpse of heaven today. Over the next few weeks, that, that your heart and your anticipation would beat a little faster, knowing the hope that you have. You're alive and you will live forever with Jesus in a wonderful, exhilarating place filled with relationships filled with food and filled with beauty and filled with parties. Yes, I said parties. You'll gather together in the joy and presence, face to face, seeing Jesus, knowing him intimately. This is our hope. We need to wake up. We need to start living as if it's our reality today. Oh God, forgive us. Forgive us. For not hoping in heaven. God, forgive us for not having this anticipation, this desire. Forgive us for not setting our hearts on the heavenly things, God, but yet temporal, earthly things. God, help us today to have a heavenly perspective. God, help us today to show the world what it means and what it looks like to walk with Jesus and to hope 
in Jesus, not just for eternity, but for today. God, may it be so with us. May we not just be hearers of your word, but doers of your word. And may you be glorified in and through everything we say and everything that we do. We pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen.